I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as we are recording this podcast one day early to accompany Thanksgiving, which will be on Thursday. I didn't want to bother anybody on staff for a Thursday night recording session, and I think that was probably the wise call. We can uh, we can all enjoy time with family, kind of step away from basketball a little bit before eh, we're going to jump right back into basketball next week when, when things are... Coming to a head, and we're going to start training camp on December first. So, it's it's coming. It's coming, Nuggets fans. It's 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 coming fast. Uh, to help me break down everything Thanksgiving draft related, it is Zach Mikosh, deputy site manager, and Daniel Lewis, our Denver Stiffs lead NBA draft writer. Uh, both of you, I think you should take a bow. Uh, everything on the site has been awesome lately, and I've really enjoyed. Uh, watching you two work and and helping me out as much as possible because this thing has been really tough to manage over the last couple mu- couple months really, um, and I've been I've been happy to have two guys who I could really rely on on a consistent basis to to help keep things rolling. So uh, Zach, I'll start with you, man. Uh, how are you doing? And and are you are you enjoying the Thanksgiving prep? I uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm enjoying I guess some Thanksgiving. Prep. It's gonna be. It's gonna be an interesting one this year for sure. I was. Uh, I was telling my daughters. It'll probably. They might remember this one because it'll probably be the only time uh, we'll ever have Thanksgiving just the four of us in our family. So, um, but you know, trying to make the most of it. Trying to kind of really, like I said, enjoy the uniqueness of, of of this this Thanksgiving in in quarantine. I guess so. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun and uh, looking forward to looking forward to trying some some new things uh, this holiday. I can't agree with you enough, man. It's it's weird. Uh, our our family, like, we're gonna have the four of us, so we're gonna have uh, one of my aunts is gonna come over. She's basically she's been isolated for the entire time, so not really worried about her. And then we have one of my brother's friends who flew in, I think, last week and has been uh, pretty much like quarantined with us for most of this time. And it's gonna be the six of us. And usually we have a a table full of people, twelve to fifteen people, and it's gonna be gonna be very weird to not be with with that. Uh, Dan, you are in Arizona, and and you're near the you're you're obviously with your family. You have your son with you. Uh, how has that been from an exhaustion perspective in trying to keep up with everything that's going on, both NBA and parent related? Oh, well, it's great. Uh, I mean, I people probably may have noticed by now in the roundtables, but I had, don't have a Twitter account anymore, so I just stay offline for the most part and uh try to read articles after he goes to bed but um yeah i think i'm i think i'm handling it okay 
Well, you've been great, man. Like, like the draft stuff has been awesome, and and I I continue to hope that you stay sane during this time because I know that this can be this could be quite the experience, especially given the coronavirus situation. So, uh, I just want to say I'm I'm thankful for the two of you. Uh, it has been awesome to be a part of the staff, and I really do think that we've grown as a group a lot over this past year and a half or so. Uh, it hasn't been quite that long w- with me at the helm, but like it's it's been. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on, and, and it's been crazy to, to try to manage everything, but wouldn't have been able to do it without the two of you. So thank you very much, and I'll stop getting sappy as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I'm just glad you mentioned Zach first. You, you learned your lesson. <laughs> that's right. I, that's I most right. certainly did. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about Thanksgiving then, because because this has been. It's been a weird time for everybody, and and you guys mentioned coronavirus stuff, like being, being very much affected by everything that's been that's been going on. And uh, Zach and Gage and I talked last year about Thanksgiving, and and mostly it was just a jovial thing where we're talking about Thanksgiving food and we're talking about uh, getting together with the family and and just having that that be a special time. And it, now it's 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 taking on a completely different life cycle just because of coronavirus like like trying to do the right thing and and being quarantined and whatnot that's been it's been at the top of everybody's uh to-do list at this point uh, or at least I, I hope so but um it's been a really negative year for for a lot of people and so i wanted to take some time to just be positive uh talk about what we're thankful for and and just kind of get into some of the the good stuff that's gone on so zach i guess i'll start with you right now uh what, what are you thankful for this year, uh, despite it being as difficult as it has been? And uh, what what are some things that you think you could take into next year, hopefully more positively? Yeah, man, I think, uh, I mean, for me personally, the, the number one thing to be most thankful for is it hasn't been nearly as difficult for me uh, as it has been for so many others uh, out there. You know, I, I'm fortunate to not have anyone um, close to me be terribly afflicted by this disease. You know, I, I, I certainly have uh, people close to me who have um, had it, but not not only have had mild symptoms and things like that. So I'm very thankful for that, that everyone's been able to, who I've known who's um, unfortunately caught coronavirus has, has recovered. I'm very thankful that, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in the industry that I do with the, the company that I do that and we've been able to maintain um, our, our, you know, basically our entire uh, workforce throughout this, this whole pandemic. So that's been, um, that's been, you know, a, a really an incredible thing. Uh, for us to accomplish in in this uh, situation, so that's something I have a ton of thankfulness for. And um, you know, always as as always, I think you always have to be thankful for your family and for your health. It's uh, nothing is ever guaranteed, um, especially not tomorrow. So I'm always thankful just that that you know I'm going to uh, get to even though it'll only be just the four of us, I'm gonna get to sit down with my family and enjoy a nice meal and. Uh, you know, have some good time together. So that's like I said, that's not guaranteed. So I'm always, always want to make sure to, <clears throat> to uh, say that I'm thankful for that. Hundred percent, man. Um, Dan, I, I have a guess, but what are you most thankful for this year and and kind of going forward? Um, I'm grateful for Broncos football. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's thankful for that right about now. <laughs> it's been more no, of a burden. No, I mean, it's uh, been in 2020 has probably been one of the best years of my life personally. Um, 
it's kind of a strange contrast to how the rest of the world has gone, but, um, you know, it, welcoming my son to my family and, um, you know, Zach and I are both fortunate to be in an industry where we're deemed essential workers, um, which I'm sure makes us laugh at times. But, uh, you know, I, I have a really great job out here and um, working for a general contractor in the construction industry and um, building a new addition to the main airport here in Phoenix. So it's been really great to be part of that. And um, here in Phoenix, I'm closer to a lot of family. My, my parents moved down here from Colorado this year as well. So I've been able to see them. And uh, I think just one thing, uh, you know, I'll try to take into 2020 is just kind of, per, of a perspective of that, uh, you know, you, you just have to not take things for granted when you get to spend time together and, and go do things. And uh, right. just, you know, try, try to have an attitude of gratitude through, through trials and through rough times. And that, that can be a remedy for... Um, things that don't go your way. And, you know, I, I've had a life where I have not always, you know, been as fortunate, but, uh, you know, you, you just do what you, you know, in my life, I've just tried to do what I can to power through it and, um, set my will and resolve towards happier roads and happier outcomes. And I've been able to achieve that. So, you know, yeah, the, sometimes things may be bad, but, you know, uh, I like to say that things always work out in the end. And if it seems like things aren't working out, that that means it's not the end yet. So just got to keep working. I feel that. I feel that. Good to, good to maintain the positivity despite that. There are several things that have happened over the course of these last couple of years that have been kind of crazy and, and kind of depressing in, in all honesty. So I'm, I'm glad to... Uh, Glad to be talking to a couple of guys that seem to have their life together right now and, and at least project it. Like, that's that's the most important thing, right, is to at least project that you're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I am thankful for, I mean, first of all, standard stereotypical family friends response, but, like, especially this year, family has become so important for me uh, during this pandemic time because I, I – was in a relationship for a while and uh that broke off at the very beginning of this pandemic and it's it's really really tough to uh isolate with only your family uh after going through a a long-term breakup or after, like breaking up after a long-term relationship because it's it's you're only trapped with your thoughts for a while and so that was a that was a really tough period of my life but uh family and friends really got me out of that and of course you guys like like it's been it's always nice to know that i have an outlet and not just like like the denver stiff staff is not just the staff like they are my friends and they are my family so that has been something that has been really important to me kind of getting through a really tough 2020 um and also the Nuggets and Nuggets fans are are very important to what we do. But it's also become a community of, of people that have been overlooked and underrated for a long time. And, and I think we're we're all kind of learning that together, that like we actually are, are pretty sick all, all at the same time. Uh, the Nuggets are pretty great. Nuggets fans are really great. And I think that's, that's just kind of the message that I would issue 
is that uh, it's it's not over. Like Dan said, it's not over until it's over. And and if you're not at the end yet, it's it means that you're not at the end yet. If things kind of look bleak, um, things always look up from here. So, no, I appreciate it, guys. It's it's been good, and and I want to continue maintaining that positivity for sure. It's been it's been good, and I, I'm I'm thankful for the community that we have developed for sure. Stiff's community has always been. Um... You know, it's always been a good part of uh, of what we do. It's always kind of kind of part of our our a family in a, in a way of its own. So it's um yeah, man, it's it's what makes it it's what makes this all worthwhile for sure. Got to mention shout out to the comment section. Yeah, and uh, for the comment section, if if you're listening to this, you've been banned. Just know that it's out of love. <laughs> we're just doing this because we're trying to help you. <laughs> Listen, uh, we I know we, the. Uh, I was I know the community guidelines website like by heart. I don't even have to. Uh, I don't even have to look it up anymore. So uh, if you've been banned, um, I guess appreciate you for getting me so well in touch with our our rules and regulations here at SB Nation. No, hundred percent. Um. Okay. On to more lively. Uh, conversation and something that I think we're probably going to have strong debate about. Uh, the DMVR guys, shout out to them. Uh, they did a draft of Thanksgiving food, but they drafted against each other. And I wanted to kind of change that up because I think if we're going to do this together, like we want to build the perfect Thanksgiving table. So we're going to do this a little differently. Um, the goal for us on this is going to be building the perfect Thanksgiving assortment of food. Uh, that, that are the essentials for every Thanksgiving meal that you're going to want. Uh, obviously, Zach, Gage, and I, we, we went on last year and then had a spirited debate about what was essential, and I thought we'd put that to the test here. Um, there are going to be, the rules are there are 10 total Thanksgiving dishes. Each of us gets three picks. Um, it'll go Dan, then Zach, then me. Uh, and then we will come together on the last pick after going through three rounds of that, and we will all discuss like what is the last dish that will round out the table. Um, so we'll have 10 total dishes, uh, three rounds, then a wild card. Uh, guys, I, I think, I think this should be fun. This should be, this should be pretty interesting. And I might create a graphic and throw it up on, on Denver stiffs and say that this is our, this is our Thanksgiving table. Uh, what do you think of that idea? Let's do it. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't do one of those. You have fifteen dollars to build your perfect dinner. <laughs> Done it before. <laughs> That's uh, no. This this will be this will be us dictating what the what Denver Stiffs readers and listeners are allowed to have. Uh, so Dan, you have you have the first pick of the Thanksgiving fantasy draft. Uh, what are you drafting to be on our table? Well, I, I tried trading down to number three uh, for an extra roll, but. But the first pick, I'm going to take turkey. Good selection, um, standard, uh, but also very important for uh, kind of centering the dish. Uh, Zach, your thoughts on that uh, on that selection? My was hope my hope was that Dan would not take turkey, so then I could explain on the second pick why I was not going to take turkey as well, so that none of us could take turkey with any of our picks, and we would just agree on that last pick. Okay, now we take the turkey. Because uh, it obviously, <laughs> we're obviously putting turkey on the table. Like uh, now, but at least hey, if somebody had to sacrifice the pick, why not make it go first overall? Turkey is, despite 
what Gage thinks. Uh, turkey is the the quintessential quintessential dish of Thanksgiving. You've got to have it on there. It's got to be the number one overall pick. I've kind of done a 180 on it just because I, I was kind of with Gage last year as like it's not necessary, but 2020 has really brought me around to the idea of common of of common food and like like having the ability to share something and like I, I do think that turkey kind of makes sense there as a very standard meal that that you just share and you're you're positive together and so that's where I'm that's where I'm my head you know, is at with it. So you know what's funny is I uh, I will not be having turkey <laughs> this year for wow. Thanksgiving after <laughs> of all of the people. <laughs> Zach, Listen. don't you don't aren't your people celebrating Thanksgiving last month? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you your Canadians, Wyoming's? No. Canadians, <laughs> Canadian, Canada, Wyoming, it's all about the same, right? Um, Wellington. Uh, no, but um, I, uh, yeah, listen, man, I got I got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and then it's me and my wife. There is no, like, if we got a turkey, we would, we'd be eating turkey for two weeks nonstop, so. I don't see um, a problem with that. There's <laughs> too much turkey. I can't handle that much. Um, so we won't, we're going with the uh, the Cornish game hen instead. Okay, okay, that's a good turkey. substitute right there. Um, that is not my pick at number two. That is not that is not your pick. I hope uh, that's uh, that would be tough. Uh, what are you putting on the the Thanksgiving menu for your second pick, Zach? There's a lot of there's a lot of ways you could go here. Like because like the first pick was obvious, right? It was easy. Um, Got to go turkey. Now we're talking like what's your number one side? So like there's some thought here to go with cranberry sauce, right? You want to you got to get your Russell Westbrook to your Kevin Durant. Um, okay. But I'm not going to go that direction. I think I think cranberry sauce is like a role player. You know, it's not like it's not like your second star. Um, it's Jeff Green. It's Jeff Green. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say Jeremy exactly. Grant, uh, but that's probably a little bit of Ooh, <laughs> a little bit on soon. the nose. Too yeah. soon. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with you know the the second the the clear second star of Thanksgiving, which would be the pumpkin pie. It's got to, wow. you know, that's, you got to, you got to, you come in, you open with the turkey, you got to finish strong with the pumpkin pie. Like, outside of turkey, it's the biggest staple in Thanksgiving bar none, I would say. I I will, I, I guess I kind of agree with you. I, I don't even know if we're having pumpkin pie for, for our meal. So that's, that's interesting. Although I will say I am very particular. We're in a very particular family, family uh, which means picky, uh, if you're not really catching my drift. But like, uh, Dan, like, like. Pumpkin pie? What are we What are we talking about here? I mean, you got you got to have pumpkin pie, but oh, second pick. Okay. I, I I think that's a little high, but I you know I respect it. Michael Beasley was a second pick, so <laughs> nothing nothing is unexpected. This is the machine beat of Thanksgiving draft here. Uh, okay, well, third pick is mine. Uh, I have I have a couple of choices that I could definitely go with here, but I am going to take mashed potatoes as the star side for what is going on. Uh, I think that mashed potatoes are are a thing that pretty much everybody enjoys. If you don't enjoy mashed potatoes, then I would be surprised, not shocked, but surprised. Um, it's a versatile side. It goes with pretty much everything, but especially with turkey and what I believe is going to be the topper. Uh, I think that mashed potatoes goes really well. Uh, Zach, your thoughts? Uh, now, so does mashed now does gravy have to be a separate selection here? I I am making gravy a separate selection. Oh I man! Think, so so my thoughts then, or this is like this. Boat. It's got to go on the table. It's, like, like it's true. That's true. Yeah. 
All right. I like. I like. I, I understand the logic. My thoughts are then. This is you know. It's um. It's a tough pick. It's like uh, you know. It's like it's like picking Jokic. Okay. It could be amazing. But you're gonna you're gonna have to specifically build it. Picking him means you're gonna have to specifically build some things around the mashed potatoes now because you got to go out and agree. get the gravy. You Strong can't get agree. mashed potatoes by itself. So I like it, you know. But it's uh, uh, it's a risky pick if if uh, or or you're dedicating yourself to the gravy now. It's it's a commitment. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna add that if if you can't enjoy your mashed potatoes without gravy, uh, you might be Caucasian. So, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Dan, what is what is your fourth pick then? You you have the next one. You gotta go with stuffing. It's an easy choice for me. Go no stuffing. rush. Okay, no, not delaying my pick. Running to the podium to to select stuffing. Okay, it's a good pick. Stuffing I, is another. I, it's I like classic. That. Yeah, like like that's that's always something that you're gonna have if you have turkey and. There are definitely different ways to make it, and we're gonna we made it a different way this this time around, uh, cornbread and and all that. But like, Your solid choice. I'm solid uh, choice. I'm 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 thankful for the stuffing this year. I I will say that. Um, any strong takes on the stuffing side before going? No, just again, like yeah, I I think maybe stuffing, maybe it maybe it slid. You know, the fourth pick. It, it it's right up there. I, I you know I I could see you maybe slotting it one ahead of the mashed potatoes because not everybody has mashed potatoes, right? With their when they think of classic Thanksgiving, I think most people do, but uh, maybe not everyone. But like you can't like you can't have Thanksgiving without if you're gonna have a turkey and you got to stuff it right. Like that's they're they're hand in hand. So sure, uh, it's it, it's a good pick at four for sure. Good value. I like it. I like it. Okay, you have the next selection, sir. So now it's now like I feel like we've hit the basics. Uh, I'm not gonna give it like you you wanted to take a two pick uh, dish with your mashed potatoes and you made the rules that said you had to pick gravy separately. So I'm gonna make you you're gonna have to make that investment. So I'm not <laughs> gonna take gravy here. So then that means like you know there's there's a lot of different ways. Um, we could go, I could go sweet potatoes, even though I, I hate sweet potatoes, but we already have mashed potatoes, so um I'm gonna go with what I think is another classic, uh, and is is my personal favorite uh, to to make every year. And that's gonna be the green bean casserole. I knew you're gonna say it, and, and I'm a little bit disappointed, but it is what it is. Uh, you you got your th- you got your wish, and and <laughs> green bean casserole is something that a lot of people are going to enjoy. Uh, so good good on you. It's just not gonna be my thing. Like I I have a strict no greens on Thanksgiving. Uh, oh. poss- like like oh. that's that's my that's my belief uh, in terms of because it's just it's just the one day like like that's all you got like like you might as well just put everything in your mouth that you can enjoy am I right? I enjoy green bean casserole. That's that's, that's okay. why I'm picking green bean casserole. So that's a great <laughs> pick. Uh, gosh, uh, I hey I do like. Guys, like I, it's not, it's not completely out of the rut. Like I, I'll have peppers and I'll have peas that I'll have corn and like corn, corn might be on this list. Like it might be one of my picks, but like there, there are different things than than just green beans. And like I think it's a I mean, very it's specific as, thing. It's not as, it's not like it's a Caesar salad for crying out loud. Like, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a, well, a bed of kale. 
<laughs> true, true. I, I would have here. Caesar salad yeah. on Thanksgiving. Like I, I would do that. That sounds that actually sounds pretty good. Um, I am going to pick the gravy on this pick, and the reason why I'm taking gravy is because we already selected three things that we can put the gravy on top of. You have the turkey, you have the mashed potatoes, and you have the stuffing. And gravy adds all to that, and you can absolutely ladle it on everything that you want, and it's going to be good, and it gives the right amount of salt content for, for whatever you're you're looking for. You can't – I mean, you're right. I mean, you can't beat gravy. It's uh... – it's as, as classic. It's like the classic glue guy. That's it's it's the Tory Craig, of the uh, of the Thanksgiving dinner. Like it it, it it's, you know it, it you can't you can't expect it to perform by itself, but you can pretty much have him work have it work with with a number of different things on the roster and it'll be just fine. So I like sure. it. I like it. It's good solid selection. So it's a it's a work you know a workhorse selection. The gravy is the workhorse of the dish. Does a lot of the heavy lifting. I, I will definitely agree with you there, uh, because if you don't if you don't cook the turkey correctly, if you don't if you don't have a a proper oh, side yeah, dish, it covers like up if some it, of those weaknesses. It, it, it buffers. It it gives a nice buffer for whatever you're you're looking for. Okay, Dan, you are next on the list with your third pick, seventh overall. Do you guys want me to run through the list again uh, of uh, of what we've already taken? Mm, I think I'm good. I know. Okay. Yep, I'm good. Right. And I'm going to waste no time again with my pick, and I am going to go with uh, sweet potato pie or sweet potato casserole, whatever you prefer. But wow, okay. Yeah, good sweet potato, brown sugar, marshmallows, solid pick. Is it a dessert? Is it a side dish? Who cares? It's my seventh pick. It's somewhere in between. See, my, my take on sweet potato casserole is that I don't like sweet things with my savory things. Uh, that is like I, I don't like uh, like if, if I had a pork tenderloin, for example, I wouldn't want to put orange or, or anything like that, like like fruit on top of my meat. Like to me, that sounds it, it has a weird taste. And so I think sweet potato casserole kind of like like blends that it's it's a little bit more in terms of the sweetness factor. But like. I, I I tend to steer clear of it because I don't know exactly what I'm getting from it every single time. I um you know my, my apparently my wife makes a very excellent sweet potato casserole uh with 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 the marshmallows and the with the pecans and the uh, the whole shebang um and 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 I respect it as a as a staple sweet potatoes in general as a staple of um. Of, of Thanksgiving. So I, I think it's a solid pick. Personally, I think sweet potatoes are like the most disgusting thing on earth. So <laughs> I, that's why wow. I'm like, I cannot speak to, to the taste of sweet potato casserole because I'm definitely not eating that. There's no way not happening. Like it's like like my, my hierarchy of the most terrible things is like mushrooms, number one, sweet potatoes, number two, and like zucchinis, probably number three. So like, ugh, like ugh, no way. But, but I respect the pick. Like I understand it. I get it. It's just like, oh, there's no way. It's it's like it's just like one of those flavors. It's, oh, it's so bad. It just it's giving me shivers just thinking about it. <laughs> well, well, you have the opportunity to correct your pick here, or to correct that pick if you want, uh, with with your third selection, the eighth selection overall. Do you have anything in mind? Yeah, no. I mean, we've got to uh, we've got to round this thing out. So cranberry sauces, uh, this is its spot for sure. It's uh, oh man, it's. 
it's a necessary it's a classic again we this is like there's there's part of this draft i think that has to be created um or or has to be considered is the the what is like what is the considered the classic thanksgiving dishes you can't have classic thanksgiving without cranberry sauce it's and it's delicious with turkey ryan like it's delicious you gotta you gotta broaden some horizons here it's it's not sweet it's tart Tart it's delicious with the turkey amazing now, now I will. However you want it, you can either do it homemade. I'm I'm cool with that. Like I'm not I'm not gonna be high standard here. If you want to take a slice of a, a you know aluminum can shaped cr- oh, cranberry perfect. jelly and put that like yeah exactly boom like all day long. So it is what it is. Like Zach, do you, or now Dan, do you have a take on? Like I assume that you're down for the cranberry sauce, but like I think there are so many better options here that you could you could put on the table. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll hear about it when when you pick, I guess. But I, I I'm a recent convert to cranberry sauce. I've I've learned to love it, to to crave it, uh, to welcome it onto my Thanksgiving plate. I always have to make sure I get a stop and and get some of that. So I'm um, I'm glad that that was the eighth overall pick. All right. Well, I I, I again, it's it's the fruit with the savory combination that i just i i can't really stand so i it is what it is we'll 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 move past it uh for my ninth pick and the second to last selection on this thing i could go a number of different routes i could go with the hawaiian rolls the classic like like the uh the biscuits they that you need on the side and you could pair that with pretty much everything like you could do biscuits and gravy biscuits and cranberry sauce if you'd like um i could do cornbread i could do corn i could pick an actual dessert uh, because only having pumpkin pie is 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 probably not for everybody. Like, if you have a kid, are are they gonna be? If they don't like pumpkin pie, what else are you gonna give them? Like, you you have to Jello. Yeah, you could do Jello. You could you could do something like that. But like, would you would you want a second pie in order to to really put this on? So that's my that's my take. But I have to make sure that this gets on the menu. And Zach already knows what I'm going with. Mac and cheese, come on down, baby. Mac and cheese has to be on the menu uh, because it is a staple for Thanksgiving in the Southeast. That is something that I have consistently, and I got it onto the menu for my family Thanksgiving this year. There you go. Got it done. I'm a huge huge fan of the mac and cheese as well for for Thanksgiving. I think you need at least for sure one, like, cheese-based – side dish a lot of people so maybe some people do like mac and cheese some people do some sort of like a lot of times my family will do like a a, like a scallop potatoes that are just like overwhelmingly heavy with cheese (laughs) the the al gratin potatoes yeah exactly but they're like they're just like yeah potatoes, but with uh, oh no But, but um, I mean, okay so uh, okay okay let me let me let me back up a little bit (laughs) is it gratin is that, yes. is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Yeah. Au gratin? Okay. Yeah. I, I know how to pronounce these things, but, like, if I'm going to Americanize everything, I might as well, like, like go full boat here. Uh, man, that is that is embarrassing. Dan, thank you for calling me out on that one. <laughs> Good well, Lord. I, I hope you at least put some, you know, four-cheese blend for your mac and cheese with breadcrumbs and hopefully some, like, jalapeno peppers in there, too. Oh, that sounds oh, great. Like that sounds awesome. Um, 
I I don't know what what we're doing fully tomorrow, but I, I expect that it's probably not to that extent. But mac and cheese, I think it has to be on the menu. It is versatile enough that everybody will want it. Uh, whether whether you actually take it is a different question, but everybody will think that that is an option. So that's my Wait, so that's my pitch. Let me let me get this straight, Ryan. So you got mac and cheese on the menu for family Thanksgiving, but you yourself will not be making said mac and cheese. I have made mac and cheese before, and I, I actually make a really nice mac and cheese. It, it's got the breadcrumbs on it. Uh, you, you go with the cavatappi pasta. Uh, you shred your own cheese. Like I, That's something that I do. I was told that having too many cooks in the kitchen this year in a, in a smaller house was going to be a problem. So that was that was so mom doesn't trust you yeah. i got you no, no it, it's uh, it's it's a problem it's uh, no she does trust me i think sure. i think that it's more for her sanity than anything else like she's uh, <laughs> we we love each other but we we need our space you know that fair um, enough i think uh i think I, I mean so now it's just gonna be interesting to see you know if uh uh, you're gonna have to compare your mac and cheese to your mom's and figure out which one is the best. We're gonna want a follow up report next week. Oh, good lord! I don't want to die. Um, <laughs> all right, so we have nine for for our our menu. I'm gonna list them now: turkey, pumpkin pie, mashed potatoes, stuffing, green bean casserole, gravy, sweet potato casserole, cranberry sauce, and mac and cheese. So now we have one wild card spot where we can. Uh, Throw anything out there that you think needs to be on the menu, and I'm I'm gonna let Dan make the first pitch. He's had enough time to, to sit here and listen and think about what what needs to be on there. Then Zach will make his pitch, and then I'll make my pitch, and then we'll decide after that. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, Dan, so we, you we have only, the floor. We only have we only have one true dessert on the menu right now, uh, so I'm gonna go with pecan pie. Okay. I, I like the I like the pitch. I, I like the uh, I like the dessert choice. That that would be a good one, and I would sign off on that. Zach, what do you think? I think that's uh, I think that's definitely one of the choices for sure. Um, and, and 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 Dan picked the exact right dessert that I would go with for my next classic uh, Thanksgiving dessert. I personally, though, I th- I feel like I feel like we need. You know, it, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Whether it is like the Hawaiian rolls, or like in my my family, we make like a, a bread called challah. Um, but there needs to be like a, a dinner roll, I guess, of of some sort, some sort of dinner roll or bread uh, side to this to to be like the uh, you know to like like you said, kind of be able to pair with everything, sort of like the gravy does. Right. This is where I'm going to call out both you and Zach, or both you and Dan, man. Like sweet potato casserole, I think I think the the Hawaiian rolls and or biscuits might might be able to replace that, and the cranberry sauce. So like, it's it's got it's tough to to knock this thing down to ten. I think. There's no way we can give up cranberry sauce. It uh, <laughs> it's too classic. And we already have bread on there. What do you think stuffing is? Yeah, I, I mean, true. well, but it's, it's like true. bread-ish. It's bread, like it's kind of made of bread. I suppose it's made bread with flour. Adjacent. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's about as much bread as the mac and cheese is. Also, I guess bread-ish in a way. Is true. stuffing a sandwich? Hmm. Is <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, well, so is is would the dinner rolls be your pick, Zach? That would be my pick. Yeah, if I was going to go. Okay. I th- I think I might have to break the tie here and go with pecan pie, uh, just because I 
I think that it's important to have a couple of different options for for your dessert. I personally do not have, or I do not like pumpkin pie. It's it's fine. It's it's good, but it's not great. Why do you hate classic Thanksgiving so much, Brian? <laughs> I I don't know, man. I, I you I've have been, to have uh, whipped cream with it. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whipped cream, like, that is a very key part to uh, true. making sure it's good. Pecan pie we, stands on its own. Pumpkin pie, it's got to have whipped cream. And and that's that's why I think I think it's it's just it's just no contest, man. Pecan pie is the best pie. Like, like it's, it's the one that you want for your sweetness, for your tartness, for your, your, your nuts. Like, like that is, that's the the good flavored pecans like if you could get some pe- candied pecans in there like oh you're you're sitting pretty now um that would be my choice so so zach uh we we outweigh you two to one right now but if you, if you feel strongly about dinner rolls then we will reconsider no it's fine i'm i'm fine with this this direction you know if you guys have tried some other like weird dessert um like a peach cobbler or something that i would have had to maybe intervene <laughs> here but uh no it, yeah I, I, like, I like pecan pie that's that's fine it's um you know, it's uh, a very, very classic Southern dish, um, for sure. A lot of, uh, a lot of good pecan fields out there in Texas. So, uh, as I'm quite familiar with Texas these days, uh, definitely had some very good pecan pies. So, could could certainly accept that as a, the the final pick. All right. Well, looks like we've got our ten. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on how this came out? Well, sounds like dinner tomorrow, or lunch. <laughs> I'll probably get started at lunchtime. <laughs> right. I like it. I like there's it. There's no, yeah, there, there's no appetizers here. There's no, like, uh, this is, this is strictly Thanksgiving dinner. There's no, uh, you know, vegetable tray or cheese ball or, uh, I guess I don't know what else we would have. Uh, my family always have, like, yeah, just like a, a jar of, or like a, like little smokies and stuff like that, so. Yeah, well, when you when you've only got ten selections, it really makes it tough. Uh, there are certain things that you just gotta have, and like if you're if you're going for the traditional style, then it, it takes a lot to, to really come together. But that's that's the good thing about Thanksgiving. It's the one day a year where you really feel like you can assemble it and take down some serious food. So I, I I'm pretty happy with our selections overall. I think I I wouldn't touch the cranberry sauce. Actually, I would touch the cranberry sauce. I will try that tomorrow. Not sure about the the green bean casserole, but I'll, but I'll try. I'll have everything else tomorrow. The uh, the key to the green bean casserole remains. Instead of using cream of mushroom soup, you got to use Alfredo sauce, and you got to make that from scratch. Don't go buy a nasty jar of ragu Alfredo sauce. Um, <laughs> what? Take the time. Yeah. Oh, it's, what? But I'm telling you, if you if you do it, if you if you make it with with Alfredo uh, from and you make that Alfredo from scratch. It's got a good cheese a little, flavor, uh, though. Like, yeah, get a little Parmesan and then grate. I mean, you obviously have to have Parmesan to make Alfredo sauce, but um, then take some Parmesan and grate that over the top of the, the fried onions. Oh, it is sounds, top notch. Sounds decent when you say it like that. Um, all right, any any resonating takes before we hit a break and talk nuggets? Sweet potatoes, disgusting. That's my <laughs> resonating take. Fry your turkeys. Oh, Fry your turkeys. Fry your turkeys. <laughs> See, uh, another you... reason another reason to go with the Cornish game hen, they fit in the air fryer, so. They fit in the microwave. The turkey would not. <laughs> 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 microwave them. Oh, good. Oh, good. I, I know what, what six of our listeners will be doing tomorrow. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some nuggets starting five. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back, Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by uh, two greats, Zach Mikosh, Daniel Lewis. Uh, we're we're having a good time. Talk about Thanksgiving. Talk about what we're thankful for. But now we're going to transition into some Nuggets talk. Uh, won't be going too long on the, on this section, but gonna gonna kind of share some of the results that I had. I, I took an impromptu survey on Twitter this afternoon. Uh, I recorded eighty nine results for the exact starting five that people predict the Nuggets will trot out there on opening night. And and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that while also just talking about the starting five in general. Just just seeing what uh seeing what comes of this season and what what we think they're going to start out with versus what we think is uh, what we would start out with especially. So it's gonna be interesting and I think I think when I share these results you guys will be surprised. Um you guys ready for me? Yep. Yep. All right. So, I had eighty nine lineups that that I recorded before I had to cut it off and start preparing for this thing. Uh, before I share these results, Dan, I'll start with you. What do you think the most popular starting lineup configuration actually was? Jamal Murray, Will Barton, MPG, Jamichael Green, Nikola Jokic. Okay. Zach, what about you? Um, I guess I would. The only thing I would. Ch- <laughs> uh, th- th- this is through the fans, right? Uh, this is what the fans re- recorded. What they said. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to go with the same thing. So instead of Will Barton, put R.J. Hampton in there. Okay, so I remember I said to predict the starting lineup for opening night. I told them to predict it. Oh, uh, I okay. think that that Nuggets fans, it's not what they want to see. It's not not what they're hoping for. Uh, do you have a, a change of guess for for the for this instead? Yeah, then I would say it's Gary Harris instead of RJ. So okay. I'd like to change so. my vote as well. Okay. I'm going to go with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Nicole Jokic. <laughs> yep, it's uh that was a very popular guess, but it was not the most popular. The most popular lineup was Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. Out of the 89 entries I put in, that had 33 of them, so it was 37% or so. Uh, that was by far the most popular of, of any of them. And so I think people are are really buying into the idea that the Nuggets are paving the way for Michael Porter Jr. to start. 
Uh, Porter was listed as a starter. Let me just pull this up real quick. He was listed as a starter 56 times at small forward and 12 times at power forward for a total of 68 out of 89. So basically three quarters of the lineups, which I think is interesting. Uh, first of all, your reaction to Nuggets fans really, really, I think, uh, being being very realistic in what they think is going to happen. It's 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 a it's a change. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing is 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 Paul Millsap, right? Because like to me, it, it really feels like that they would probably go with um, Jamichael Green over Millsap there, but. I get I get why fans would think that maybe you still go with Millsap because Malone's got the relationship, particularly early on. Uh, you know, you assume Paul's still healthy at that point. So, I um, but yeah, that one I think is is probably the one that stands out to me the most is that the, that people are picking Paul Millsap over Jamichael Green because that's the other thing too is is like fans like like always like the new thing, right? Whatever is the they always right. want to uh, know what's coming next. So like you you I would expect some some excitement. Uh, at least a little bit around Jermichael Green, but maybe there's some residual just disappointment because of, uh, you know, he's essentially the Jeremy Grant replacement, and so you're not actually getting Jeremy Grant. So, But interesting to see that the, a lot of fans still think Paul Millsap's going to start. And, and to be clear, they uh, 13 of the 89 still had Murray, Harris, Porter, Green, Jokic as the starting lineup. So there there was... 33 to 13 was was the discrepancy there which I thought was interesting and some some of the lineups that I collected were were not as realistic like Facundo Campazzo was was in that a couple of times and uh, Hampton was in one but like I thought it was pretty interesting to see how that really trended but that was the third most popular was that was that lineup with Jamichael Green the second most popular was what Dan said was Murray Harris Barton Millsap Jokic so there is still some pessimism is in as what the Nuggets are going to do on opening night, Dan. Yeah, I just, you know, the Nuggets with those five players have won a lot of games over the last couple of seasons. And Michael Green has been with the team now for maybe two, three days at most. Yeah. He may just He's not even officially his... signed yet. Like, I think that's, like if... that's an important distinction here. Like, he hasn't been officially welcomed by the Nuggets yet. Yeah, I mean, he's he still needs to pass his physical, so I'm not expecting him to learn the playbook and be ready. Malone is notoriously slow on, you know, putting new guys into the starting lineup. Paul Millsap's still a good player. Um, I know that people may be down on him after the playoffs, but you know, a lot of a lot of smart teams want to Paul Millsap because he's still a good player and he has a lot of value to NBA teams. Still, he's going to help yeah. the Nuggets win a lot of games. And There's, going with Will Barton and Gary Harris, if they're if they're healthy, uh, you know we're they're going to start the vets. Vets help you win NBA games, and you know I, I think he's going to want to. I think Malone is still going on to try to bring MPJ along slowly, um, despite the lack of small forwards on the roster. Um, we have too many guards for Will Barton to be a shooting guard. He has he has to be a small forward this season. Um, Otherwise, you have what like eight guards, and uh, yeah, you have to. If you're finding you're like, well, how are we gonna get, how are we gonna get Barton playing time? Well, it's easy. You just put him at small forward, and give him you know twenty twenty five to thirty minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's right where he slots in, um, because they have no, they have bigs and guards. That's all they have. So, 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot. Uh, but one of the interesting things that I took from this from this lineup data uh, from from this survey was that Gary Harris was listed as the shooting guard starter, seventy six out of eighty nine potential opportunities, potential entries. Uh, only right. thirteen times. What did it go? It it was to Barton six times. It wasn't even like the majority of that really. Uh, Murray four times, Dozier two twice, and Hampton once, uh, which I thought was was pretty fascinating. Like people really do think that that Gary Harris, Zach, Gary Harris is probably going to be the starter opening night. Well, I think people understand that, especially now with um, Jeremy Grant uh, in Detroit. That really you have two options to start at small forward, which are which are Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton. So that means Gary Harris. Um, kind of naturally becomes your best option at shooting guard because even if you started Michael Porter Jr., okay, well, you don't really want to start necessarily start. I think people say you don't necessarily want to start Will Barton next to him because that's going to leave your bench pretty devoid of scores. So if if you got Gary Harris back there instead of Will Barton, so I think a lot of people see that as okay, you're going to have probably Michael Porter Jr. or Will as your scoring forward uh, in that three three spot, and then whichever one's not starting is going to probably be your scorer off the bench, um, which you're going to need because you have, again, there's no one else really to fill that role for you um, outside of one of those two guys. So I think that's probably driving that a bit, which means Gary Harris just slots out of So if, if you're taking those two guys uh, away from being a potential shooting guard, I mean, Gary Harris is still probably your best option there at shooting guard among the rest of the guys you have left. So it makes sense that he would be your starter. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I am definitely with you there. Um, I still I still tend to trust that Malone is going to be uh, thinking that the defense is important, and the one guy that really made his impact felt in the bubble when he returned was Gary Harris. Uh, especially against most of the teams that they're going to play, there's going to be a quality guard on the opposing side that they're going to need to defend, and so... Murray will have his time to defend some of those guys, but having Gary Harris out there as opposed to Will Barton, like it's like Will Barton gives you more size against the wings, but that's against like let's say eight to ten teams. When Gary Harris, he'll have more utility against nineteen to like twenty-two teams, and so kind of the majority of the league, Gary Harris might be might be a more valuable option on a game-to-game basis. Um, what I really took away from this thing, Jokic was in the starting lineup 100% of the time. Uh, Murray, for whatever reason, not in the lineup 100% of the time. Uh, one of those was injury-related, uh, uh, the the person explained it to me. But the other was uh, just purely starting Facundo Campazzo over Jamal Murray. Uh, and I, it came from somebody who was from Argentina. So that was uh, <laughs> an Argentina fan. Does, uh, does Faku's dad follow you on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I was I was blown away when I saw it, and then I realized, okay, well, gotta check the bio. Oh, yep, that makes that makes some sense. But I, I do think Campazzo is going to play a role this year. I just I cannot see it as a starter. Like like, can you guys see him starting at all? Like, I guess they could move Murray to the two, but like, I wouldn't do that. No, if you're going to move Murray to the two, then you would be starting Monty Morris. You wouldn't be starting Campazzo just because, again, kind of like what Dan explained. I mean, Campazzo has been with the team. Uh, for a couple days, they, they they they're not necessarily gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Sh- nobody in that starting lineup, uh, which I, I tend to think is is probably why you know, like Dan said, with why Millsap over Green always, it, it makes a lot more sense to have a, that whole starting lineup be guys who were on the team last year. So, um, 
Certainly not Composito too. Who's got there's there's you know with Green there's a question of well he still might be the most talented guy to put it, put next to Michael Porter Jr. at the forward spot right now. Uh, that they, there's not a question I think of um, whether or not Facundo Composito is um, more talented than either Gary Harris or Jamal Murray. Certainly, and, and you certainly would not. He's definitely not more talented than Jamal Murray. You certainly would not start him over that, and that would be nuts. You're paying Jamal Murray twenty seven million dollars. He is not coming <laughs> off the bench. Yeah, there's maybe there's no maybe way. he could start if he sat on Monte Morris's shoulders, like the Dread Pirate <laughs> Robert or something. Oh maybe yeah, I love Jokic. No, Fagundo's a he's a he's a change of pace guy. Like that's exactly what he's uh, being brought in there to, and, and, and a guy who's going to. It's funny as it sounds that instead of so it won't be Jokic um, operating the Jokic offense, it won't be a center operating the Jokic offense, but it'll be it'll be a guy who can he's a guy who can run a lot of the same kind of stuff um, in terms of hitting cutters and, and and keeping the ball moving that that Jokic can do. Like that's what Composito is going to give you off your bench, and you're gonna you're gonna pair him with you know some scores in, in either Will Barton or Michael Porter Jr. You know maybe you're going to get RJ Hampton some time in there and he's going to be kind of your your speed guy off the bench like he, he's a guy who makes a lot more sense as a change of pace uh bring you know kind of mix things up kind of guy rather than a uh, uh I'm going to start him next to Murray and and Jokic and I guess watch him not get the get the ball in his hands, you know. Like that's there doesn't make a ton of sense there to put him, particularly if you're playing Porter too. Like there makes no sense uh, to put him out there because he's never he'll he, you know he'll never have the ball in his hands, and that's a guy who you want when he's on the court. You want the ball in his hands because that's when he's going to be most effective. So one thing before we we kind of transition into a different part of this conversation. Uh, Porter at the four was mentioned a lot of the t- uh, not a lot of the time, but a significant amount of the time. And the the fourth most popular lineup was Murray, Harris, Barton, Porter, Jokic, uh, kind of going all offense all the time. Uh, Dan, just want want your take on that. Like like is that something that the Nuggets should consider to do? Like like just kind of go pure offense and play the six ten guy at the four as opposed to the three. I I, I can see Mills not Millsap. I can get CMPJ getting minutes at the four, but not as a starter. Um, I, I do think that there is an, an advantage of of playing that lineup for a few minutes, especially at you know like at the midway point of the second quarter, as the bench unit is kind of at you know on their last legs for their run, and the starters are just getting back in, you know, without having warmed up first. You right. Know, you hit you hit them with that offensive group real quick. And try to make a run, so that you can carry that into the half. But no, I, I don't think he should be starting at power forward. Yeah, it just it just seems kind of off the wall, and and I think that it's definitely more of an, an offense only versus a an actual sustainable group. Um, That's what exactly. I was going to say too. Is yeah. is it's like what you got to think about with Porter is he's he's playing power forward on defense and he's going to be playing small forward on offense and that's going to be the same whether he's playing next to Will Barton um, or or Jamichael Green because on defense you're not going to in most cases want to put Porter out on the wing against uh, particularly when you're playing the Kawhi Leonard's or the LeBron Jameses or the uh, Luka Doncic or whoever it is going to be out there in the world you'd rather have either Jamichael Green. Or Will Barton on that guy, uh, and leave Porton to play, or leave Porton, leave Porter to play uh, the um, 
the four and help in you know help you on the glass and, and be your kind of defensive rebounder. That's that's where you're going to want him on offense. Though the Nuggets typically the the four is the guy who stands in the corner and and waits for for kickouts and open shots. I mean that's Paul Millsap and and Jeremy Grant both filled that role uh, last year when they were playing the four, and so did Michael Porter Jr. And it was a real waste of his talent. And one of the things that the Nuggets like to do, even when they've got Murray and and Jokic out there, is have another creator uh, at the three. That's why they play Will Barton there. So whether or not you have, again, now Will, when you have Will out there, it's going to be a little bit more clunky on offense. Um, but you're, especially when you have Jermichael Green, like you don't want Jermichael Green being your third creator and Michael Porter Jr. being your guy in the corner. You're going to switch that. Jermichael Green is perfect as a stretch four who just sits in the corner and waits for open shots. And then that lets you have Michael Porter Jr. be your creator um, from the three spot. So that's that's kind of like it's, – it's weird to look at to me when I think of Michael Porter Jr. in terms of position. It, I, I don't – he's just a forward Period, and, and he's going to play. Like I said, he'll be he'll be he'll be a four on defense and a three on offense, and that's going to be, I think, pretty true. No matter who else is the other forward out there. So you think that you think that Millsap will be the three on on defense if they play him next yep. quarter? Yep, I would still think you would prefer to have Paul Millsap against Kawhi Leonard than uh, than you would Michael Porter Jr. And what about uh what about the Lakers? Yep, all oh, against LeBron for sure. Because you're not like here's the thing: you're not you're. It's not the 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 bigger and tougher forwards. Those are the ones you're not worried about. Like Jamichael Green actually might be a better uh, better guy to have against the Lakers than even Jeremy Grant because he's bigger and stronger, and you've got a bigger, stronger small forward. The thing that's really I think you worry about with the Nuggets is going to be the like I said. I mean, the Kawhi Leonard is going to be the the tough matchup for them in terms of the playoffs, and and, and a guy like a Luka Doncic, a guy who's going to be a little bit more crafty, a little bit quicker out there, like. That's a guy who still can shred uh, Michael Porter Jr., but is also might be a little bit too quick for for Michael Green or Paul Millsap. But I'm still man, like yeah, I would still take my chances with Paul Millsap on that guy um, than I would Michael Porter yeah. Jr. Now I'm not saying either one is ideal. That's why why losing Jeremy Grant hurt so much because Jeremy Grant was ideal for that sort of thing. But it's if if those are your two choices, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm taking Millsap. Well, it's a it's a problem that's going to haunt the Nuggets for this year because if if you're putting Millsap on LeBron, then that means Porter's going on Anthony Davis. Like. Yeah, but which but but I would prefer that because I think if if anything else like Millsap didn't it didn't stop Anthony Davis in any way. He wasn't in any trouble. But at least with Porter, you at least get the length. Like yeah, you're you're. I would I would rather give up the size against Anthony Davis, a guy who's honestly I did not. I mean, it's not like this is the 1990s and you're throwing that guy down there and he's posting people up right and and just kind of bruising inside. Like Anthony Davis is a guy who likes to take uh, a lot of jump shots, so like I'd rather have the six foot eleven guy. Uh, on him who's you know giving up 20 pounds than the guy who's weighs just as much and is just as strong but is giving up four inches like that's if i got to choose between those two i'm, I'm going to definitely take the length all right well they're they're gonna have time to explore it because i think that's that's going to be something that they're going to seriously consider um let's do you guys either want to talk about the pros and cons of each of these lineups or do you guys want to go straight into your preferred starting lineup for this year uh, well, I think you kind of we can uh, kind of blend both topics together, right? We can we can talk about our preferred starting lineups, and then then we can talk the pros and cons of, about them. Okay, uh, let's start with Dan then. Like I, I think I know what your your ideal 
preferred starting lineup would be, but I, I want to hear it from you. Uh, what, what do you think the Nuggets should run opening night? Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing Dan's off Twitter. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> like, uh, why? Uh, I, I don't think MPJ will be ready. I think... I, I still think he can be one of the first guys off the bench, um, but I, I think he's going to need some some extra seasoning just to make sure that he he knows the playbook and he's showing that he's got the rotations down on defense, got his assignments. I, I think you can, you know, depending on how that lineup starts, you can either bring MPJ in for Millsap, you know, and. Uh, get some instant offense with that off all offense five or bring him in for um, Gary Harris and you move Barton to the two or, you know, if you bring in Monte Morrison, shifting Murray over, you know, keep pull Millsap out. Like I, I think it gives you lots of different options. And then um, you're, you're wanting to give MPJ a lot of minutes, but you don't want him to, to hit a wall um, 60 games in and, not be able to contribute in the playoffs. So you want to give him a lot of minutes and a lot of responsibility, but you don't want him to, you know, have to have to burn those minutes, you know, the first two months of the season. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think it, it does, it does genuinely make sense. Like you, you want that guy to be as ready to go for the playoffs as possible. I just happen to think that, the way to do that is to immediately put him into the starting lineup and and say, hey, look, we, we have to get you to figure out how to play with Murray and Jokic. We have to have those two figure out how to play with you. Like, if, if you keep them on the bench, then most of their game plan is probably going to end up being, okay, how do we do the, the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll against this team? How do we get uh, Will Barton as the secondary playmaker out of the pick-and-roll or the DHO or whatnot? Like, like that, that would be... That would be my concern, and just given the fact how stale that lineup is in general, like I, I think they need to change it up personally. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I um, I would go with the uh, Murray, Harris, Porter, Millsap, Jokic as my starting lineup. I think you're you've got a couple of obviously you know Murray and, and Jokic are your starters, and then it's your three in the middle are somewhat of flux. Like I said, I don't want to use up both. Barton and Porter as starters uh, and and leave no scores coming off the bench, which is why I'm going to put Harris at the starting at the two. Uh, and then Millsap over Green, just because kind of like Dan brought up, it's gonna, it's it's a real quick turnaround. I think by the end of the season, uh, you're hoping Green is your starter over Millsap, but certainly at the beginning, you're probably going with Millsap. The reason I start Porter, though, um, is, is, is I hear what a lot of you guys are saying in, in about in terms of uh, you know, is he going to be ready? Is he, you know, we need to get him experience and make sure he's he's good to go. But I think, I, I tend to agree with you, Ryan. I think the best way to do that is by playing him, and particularly at the beginning of the season, I think you don't get hurt as much uh, by him maybe still getting up to speed or still taking some lumps because a lot of teams are going to be taking, you know, a lot of teams are going to be resting more veteran guys, aren't going to be playing as much. They're going to be sort of, you know, easing into the season because of the weird, 
pandemic uh, schedule. So he might actually get – it might be more sort of a preseason feel early on, uh, and that might actually work to his benefit and really help him kind of gain some confidence early on. So I don't mind giving him those minutes as a starter. And I also, when you look at it in terms of, you know, yeah, well, we want this guy fresh for the playoffs, but you also want Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green fresh for the playoffs. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is what? He's 21 years old. Um Millsap's 35, going to be almost, he's almost about to be 36. Right. Uh, Jermichael Green's 30. Like, in terms of minutes, Porter played the fewest minutes last season of the three. Like, he f- should, in theory, be the freshest of the three, to uh, you know, and, and be able to sustain the heaviest workload over the season. So I think maybe you, you might actually have to play him more in order to make sure that Paul Millsap uh, is, is ready to go in whatever role he might be in come, you know, come April. I'm with you there, well, and and I'll let I'll let Dan have a have a take before I share my ideal lineup. But I I, I think I'm with you on all of that except for one key point. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Well, I was just going to say that if if they are going to be resting players and trying to, you know, manage the minutes, I look forward to seeing Bull Bull in the starting lineup to spot Millsap. Hey, exactly. Mm. Let's do that as well. You know, I'm might, a fan. As, might as well just if you're going to just bring an MPG in. off the bench. You want to keep him in that role and keep him used to his minutes, you know, assignments. And when he comes in off the bench, so put Bull Bull in there. Let's get weird. I say, I say, yeah, let's go all all in on the future. Let's go Murray, Hampton, MPJ, Bull Bull, Jokic. That's our starting lineup. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. It would be it would be one thirty to one forty. That that will be my yeah, there you uh, go. Be my take on that. But that's no okay. Wait, man, it'll be it'll be one thirty to ninety one, and Bull Bull have twelve block shots. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, so my my one major take on this, I'm going to share my ideal lineup here: Murray, Harris, Porter, Jamichael Green, Nikola Jokic, and here's why. Uh, of the kind of four candidates that are that are really other capable starters at like the shooting guard and power forward positions, like you have Harris and Barton, and you have Millsap and Green, I have penciled in Porter into the starting lineup because I think that the moves that the Nuggets have made, uh, they kind of dictate that he has to start. Like like they aren't like they didn't replace Jeremy Grant with a three; they replaced him with a four. They didn't bring in. They didn't keep Tory Craig. They didn't keep Kade Bates Diop. They added Isaiah Hartenstein, and they added uh, Marcus Howard and Facundo Capazzo. So, like, I really do think the Porter is set to to start at the three this year. Um, and the key thing here with those guys is who are the lower maintenance players offensively around Murray Porter and Jokic that we think could really bolster them defensively. I think Harris is definitely one of them, and I think Green is the other. His usage rate on L.A. was 13.7% in the regular season, which means that he was taking way lower than average amount of shots for a for a player in a lineup. And I think that's really important for when you're talking about how are you going to get your shots with Murray, Porter, Jokic, how are they going to figure this out. You want them to go through trial by fire, at least initially, and I think the best way to do that is to give them a lineup that you're going to have Murray taking a lot of shots, you're going to have Porter taking a lot of shots, and you're going to have Jokic taking a lot of shots, and you're just going to work it out from there, and you're going to see where it goes. And if you need to make changes, then make changes after that. But I think the first 10 games or so, you definitely want to start that five and just figure it out from that point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a fair 
Um, a fair take on it. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of reason to believe that Jermichael Green. It, what, what's interesting to think or, or or about it is, you know, I think the the Nuggets really wanted to get Jermichael Green regardless of what happened with Jeremy Grant. I think they wanted, you know, it was kind of like a well, let's you know, let's get Jeremy Grant signed, and then if we can get Jermichael Green, we can afford him still uh, over or. You know, if 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 we're able to get him, maybe we don't have to get Paul Millsap. And if we can't get Michael Green, okay, then we'll get we'll we'll bring back Millsap. And then Grant fell through, and so then they, you know, they I think they just they just landed on getting both Green and Millsap. And it's you know now it's kind of like well, so which neither one of those guys was maybe their anticipated starter uh, at power forward. So now it's kind of trying to figure out which one actually do they see as the. Uh, the guy in terms of the future and, and and probably the answer is neither right like it's not like Jeremy Grant who's 26 and you said okay this could be our next starting power forward for the next four or five years like either one of these guys is a is a one to two year kind of stopgap solution at that power forward spot the Nuggets still probably do not have their power forward of the future uh, on their roster right now so you know I wonder if it's something that we might see go, them go back and forth um throughout the year with in, in terms of trying to figure out which one of those guys necessarily fits best and gives them the best chance of win because Millsap probably fits best um, right off the top just because of the familiarity. But, you know, if if he's continuing to have the d- decline that we kind of started to see in the in the playoffs, uh, Jermichael Green might be your better option in just terms of talent. And so do you, do you just work through that fit thing right away, um, like you're saying, Ryan and, and just get past it. That that I mean, I can see why that would be considered maybe your best option. Yeah, and at least to start out, like like you you, you kind of hope that that things continue to go well and that Porter immediately averages twenty plus and everybody's still happy with the touches that they get. Um, I think if if that was the reason why Jeremy Grant might have wanted to bounce, then maybe the the goal should be to add a guy who doesn't really care about the number of offensive touches that he has and and go with Green in that starting lineup because. I think they like to run the occasional post up for Millsap a lot of the time, and and I just I I would try to completely knock that out of the system. So that's my uh, that's my hope with the the starting group. But I also think, like you said, Millsap's thirty six in January. I think he or February, excuse me. He's uh, he kind of profiles as more of that hybrid four five more than green. So like, if you right. need to play him at the back of five, then you can do that over Hartenstein, and you could play Bulbo at the four, or you could even play Bulbo at the three and. And depending on if Barton's healthy or whatnot, like hey, we're 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 going full bore here. I think that Bo Bowl's gonna is, he's gonna get an opportunity. This is Michael Malone we're talking about. You could not play <laughs> Bo Bowl at all. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could not do that. Like that's definitely a possibility. Uh, Dan, are you are you would you be okay with the the Murray Harris Porter Green Jokic lineup, or is that is that something that you would be a little bit worried about? Can you say that again a little slower? Uh, would you be okay with Murray, Harris, Porter, Green, Jokic, and and if that would like meet the meet the bar, meet the threshold for what what Daniel Lewis wants the Nuggets to do in twenty twenty one? Yeah, I'm fine with that by like the All Star break, but I I don't think I don't think you can do that right away to start the season. I I I I think that there's a lot to be said about the Nuggets defense and just those guys being really familiar with each other and playing together, uh, knowing their tendencies, that's what helps them be better defensively. And I, I mean, I know that they need some firepower out there, but Malone wants them to get stops. And then 
they're going to look for opportunities to score after they get those stops. True. True. No, I, I'm, I hear you. I definitely hear you. It's a, it's more of a long shot, I think. Like, I was really on the Porter-Grant-Jokic lineup pretty early last year, and so I think this is probably the, the best reprisal that they can have in this situation. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. Uh, quickly, before we before we take off here, because I know I've held you guys for a while, uh, bonus question. What is the most fun lineup the Nuggets can possibly throw out there this year? Including all roster positions, like like anything that they anything that you want to see them do. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, they don't have enough space to fit them all, um, so it's fine. <laughs> all right, so I'm, I'm I don't have Jamal Murray in my most fun lineup. It's going to be um, wow. <clears throat> Compazzo, Hampton, Bol Bol, MPJ, and Jokic. Interesting. Uh, I, I my lineup is very similar. It's very very similar, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Compasso and Jokic can do. Uh, <laughs> you just throw two unicorns out there in addition to those two. Like that's that's pretty fun. Uh, Dan, what about you? Um, I'm actually gonna go with uh, Hampton, Murray. Uh, Mm. I'm going to go with Barton, MPJ, and Jokic. Uh, that, I think that gives you a lot of a couple guys in Barton and Hampton that can be cutters, guys that can really get to the basket and create separation. Um, I don't know how good of a shooter Hampton will be or Barton will be, but Murray is a great floor spacer. MPJ is a great floor spacer, and I, I think you'd really get the ball popping, and you'd have some some great offensive highlights from Jokic with that with that five man lineup. No, I, I hear that. That's a it's a good option. It really is. Um, I I didn't really. I guess I I should probably seriously consider Hampton because of how athletic he is, and I I think his best years are going like like his best athletic years and Showtime years are going to be year two, year three. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Campazzo, Murray, Porter, Bull, Jokic, and just have your two flashy passers in Jokic, have your two unicorns in Porter and Bull, and then have your, your steady flamethrower scorer in Murray and just see if they could light the world on fire together. I think that would be a lot of fun. It's, uh, yeah, it's, there's, the Nuggets have a lot of guys who are going to be uh, very, have some very unique, it's, it's interesting, they have so many guys now with, with, different from different positions who bring different unique like difficult things to match up with whether it's you know Compazzo and, and Jokic from the one and the five with their ridiculously you know creative passing that they're gonna they're gonna throw at you whether it's you know both Bol Bol and, and Michael Porter Jr. being just absolute you know physical mismatches because of their their skill set given their size or you got a guy like RJ Hampton who's just flat out like speed a guy like Jamal Murray who can score 24 points in about you know 10 minutes like there's there's a lot. Will Barton, like Dan brought up, I mean, a guy who's another just just flat out, you know, bucket getter. Like, there's a lot, uh, a lot of really exciting uh, players on this roster. And then, you know, to, to the to the credit of the roster construction, there's a lot of solid, steady guys like Monty Morris and Paul Millsap and Michael Green who will kind of balance it out. So it's there's in terms of style, stylistically, there's a lot to like uh, about this about the way they constructed this roster over the, over the off season. It's just in terms of physical 
sizes. It's a little bit, you know, bookending it, not too much in the middle. But I guess we'll figure that sure. out. It's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, guys. Uh, Dan, you have any any takes before before we head out of here? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of fans have talked about how they, they, they don't think that, well, the roster is full, but I don't think it's finalized. I do think that they're, they've done a good job of maintaining flexibility so that they can make a trade, a trade by the deadline. Um, there are a couple of players I'd like to see them take a chance on. Um, but it, I'm, I'm really excited for the season to start. I'm excited to see the Nuggets players get back out there and see what they can do um, after having a really successful bubble and um, looking forward to the schedule update and uh, finding out who's going to be playing the Nuggets this year. Looking forward to it, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, This is all happening so fast. Like This podcast is going to drop on Thursday, and we're going to have training camp on Tuesday. It's... uh... It's going to be a rush, and we're, we're, we're excited to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but also a little bit stressful. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to follow those guys uh, at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. And, oh, well, Dan, I'm sorry about that. I, go follow the, the Denver Stiffs Twitter, at Denver Stiffs, and we'll, uh, we'll just yeah. go with that one. Dan will, Dan will be hopping on there occasionally and just, just – follow, uh, follow the Denver Stiffs on Instagram. Sure, and and I think uh, I think there's rumors that a uh, a Denver Stiffs TikTok could be could be popping up in the works here at some point. So, oh my, oh my we'll, gosh, uh, we'll see how that goes. But I'm 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 looking forward to the work that uh, that Jenna follow, and Riley have done. Follow Dan on MySpace. You'll find him over there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's gonna do it for this episode, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, 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 oh